Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. I am joined by my good friend Jay Bates. What's up? And my gal pal April <laughs> Wilkerson. Hey everyone. <laughs> <laughs> right before we started recording, we were talking about names and and uh, and so we were having a little bit of a laugh over that. So over the gal pal. Yeah, well, the gal pal, and then you said people don't uh, pronounce your name, your last name. They sometimes screw it up. Yeah. They also introduced me to Instagram this week, and he he called me his gal pal on there, and I got a kick out of that. That's an old Friends reference. I don't know if you guys remember the show Friends. Yeah, I don't remember that being the reference though. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it was it was her gal pal Rachel Green. Oh okay. I don't remember that one. You, you you're not a big Friends fan. Oh, I used to watch. It. I mean, that was man, that was what nineties. It stopped in the nineties. Yeah. Well, you yeah. don't have to remember how old I'm getting. <laughs> Am I the only one that thinks the 90s is only 10 years ago? No way. I still listen to 90s music all the time. Hey, and, I, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm jamming to it. I'm like, I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move right along into breaking news. Uh, I guess I'll start it out. Um, nothing major going on at the exact moment, but uh, I, I have on my radar a lot of shop projects for this year because um, my router table is just an aluminum top, you know, press metal leg, you know, just, it's a crappy table. There's no, there's no fighting that. Uh, and I want a really nice standalone, tons of storage, good dust collection on it, router table with a nice lift and that, that I want to build this year. And then, uh, yeah, I just got, I got to get, you know, got to get in gear in the shop and get, get clean and organized like Jay has with his shop. <laughs> hey, what about mine? I've never been in your shop. Oh, that's true. That's true. I try to keep mine clean and organized. Well, there you go. So and then, I'm, and then I, well, I was just gonna say I was working on a tambour door design that I think is kind of funky and different than I think anyone's ever done a tambour door, but that's not gonna be out anytime soon. Oh, I'm so curious. I'm actually uh, my uh, my next project will be a door. What what does a tambour mean? That's like a roll top desk top. Oh, know. okay. I gotcha. Yeah. And uh, it's been an idea of mine for probably four years of how I wanted to construct it. And I don't, I'm not even sure if it'll work. And, and I almost hate talking about stuff that, you know, I'm working on because if it, if it never, you know, sees the light of day or if it's like a year later, people are like, <laughs> we waited long enough for that. Yeah, you're always going to hear about it. Yeah. <clears throat> cough, cough, <throat> TV lift cabinet. <clears throat> cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> and my DC. Hey, Jay, I think we cut you off twice. Are you trying to pipe in? No, he was saying that his design was was a funky design or whatever. And I was going to say funky works really well on YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. April, what do you got working on? I finished my DC, my dust collection install. I know, victory. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, Have you fired not, up yet? Yes, I did. I uh, Just about maybe an hour ago was the first fire up because I actually finished the like piping it in and I drilled a hole in my shop and put it outside in the shed I built and I got all of the hose routed to my bandsaw, the table saw, and I put in a floor sweep off of because I saw that you put in one originally, Jay. Oh yes, and, those are uh, so nice. I want to put one in this shop. I just haven't gotten around to it. I like I'm not even joking. I giggled after using the floor sweep just because <laughs> I'm gonna be able to use it so much. It's very convenient. And I'm really glad because I I originally wasn't planning on putting one in, so I'm glad I went ahead and, and routed one. But I was waiting on a switch. I, I had trouble locating a switch that could handle a 20-amp dust collector. And the, and so the Harbor Freight dust collector actually pulls 20 amps on startup. And 
I know that I've talked to a few people, you, Jay, being one of them, saying that you didn't have one, but it, it worked just fine and it never tripped for you. But I was worried because on that same circuit is going to be my bandsaw. So with the two of them, I just really wanted to go ahead and get a switch that was made for it. So I finally located one, had it shipped, and I took the time to install that today while I was waiting on a glue up on a, on this week's project. So, yep, dust collector's installed, and I will um, y'all will soon be seeing it. That's you, awesome. What did you use for uh, ducting? I actually used all of the the hose from Rockler. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I immediately go down to a four inch hose, though. So none of it's five inch. Uh, I like immediately go into a a split and go four inch all the way around. But I mean, all of my stuff is right there, and I still get plenty of suction. It seems like. I mean, of course, I'm not an expert, and I didn't run any numbers, but it seems to be doing the job just fine on all three components. So I'm not. I'm not. Kind of say it, it's not the way to go, you know. So you're all right. So you're going through the wall into the the lean to that you built. Is yeah. Are you bringing air back into the shop, or are you just exhausting? I, I'm not. I'm exhausting. Um, I, I haven't done that part yet, and I don't think I'm gonna have time to do it before I leave to Germany. And because I'm not releasing the video until next month, I'm trying to get a few projects ahead so that whenever I'm traveling next month, I'm still gonna be able to put out videos. Um. So, but I my final plan is to just exhaust it out of the shop or out of the the lean to that I built. So no, I'm not returning it back into the shop, but I'm not worried about it because the majority of the year I have my, my door open or my window open. And I just really don't think it's going to be a problem. That and you, you heat with electric heat, right? Yeah. It's not gas. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have any worry, you know, about, you know, fumes coming back in. So what do you think, Jay? Oh, I was going to say that, that you're going to love it once it's all set up. And once you get used to it, like you've had this for for a while and I've been telling you to install it forever. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's one of those things like once you work with Dust Collection and you have it set up in your own shop, it is, it's just so nice to have most of the mess contained. Not only that, but you're not breathing most of it in, you know, depending on how efficient your system is or whatever. But if you can exhaust, just exhaust out the back and not worry about, uh, you know, uh, air return or anything you'll get a little bit more out of your system too if you're not exhausting through another filter or through another bag yeah i i was actually thinking about putting a bag in there but i i plan on moving my air compressor in there later and so since only the finest dust particles are being exhausted out anyways i really don't want my air compressor sucking it back up so eventually i am going to be taking the effort and cutting a hole and then just piping it out of that little lean to um but yeah i actually so on the first time, I, I used a fitting that came with the Harbor Freight inside my fine baffle, and it was it was releasing a lot of fine dust or a lot of dust on the exhaust. And so everybody kept telling me, if, I bet if you replace that fitting that you used and get one that's a little bit longer, um, you'll see less exhaust. And sure enough, I went ahead and did that, and it works it works great now. But I but I still think exhausting it outside of the lean to is gonna be my best bet. However, I've been using that Rockler Dust Right hooked up to my table saw for the last, I don't know, month or two. And you're right. It's one of those things I'm like I'm kicking myself, like, why did I not take this short mm-hmm. amount of time to hook one of these up? <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. Jay, what do you got working on? I've got a lot of little stuff going on this week. So I I shot the uh, a couple tool talk videos. One that you guys probably have already seen um, by the time that this podcast is out on my routers. And I'm trying to do a couple of those at once uh, for upcoming weeks. That way I can knock a couple out and then edit them as I go. Uh, 
but uh, I, I did a couple of those. Let's see what else. I, I made a slight, a very, very slight improvement to my leg vise. Um, if you guys watched the video of me putting the vices on, my leg vise uh, basically could spin freely, clockwise and counterclockwise, the whole actual jaw or chop, whatever they call it. Why, why is that called a chop, by the way? Leg vice chop. I've uh, never even heard of it. I, I yeah, it's um, I don't study Latin or anything. I don't word origins is definitely not my forte. I always think of pork chops when I hear that. Anyway, maybe it's a <laughs> well, food thing. If we have me. a if we have a listener that knows it, maybe leave it in the comments for us so we can all be better educated. There you yeah. go. So so anyway, the the uh, the, the whole vice itself could spin freely, which is not the end of the world. Not really an inconvenience, but it would be more convenient to have it stationary kind of like so if you have like a, a, a the pin style um parallel guide going through the leg which is just more than what i want to do i don't want to cut a hole in my leg i don't want to mess with the pin i really like the wedge system um but that that uh pin system going through the leg also keeps the leg vice vertical so what i did is uh close the vice all the way and then traced the interior corner from where the the leg meets the lower front stretcher onto the backside of the, the leg vise, and then cut a little notch, added a small piece of, of oak to basically touch the inside face of the leg. So as you tighten things up, the whole vise won't go clockwise anymore. It'll just stay stationary. So it's just a very slight little improvement that wasn't really a problem, but making the change is like a big, oh, wow, that's nice. And it's so simple. <laughs> so, it, but you went ahead and made a video of it? No, this was so simple. I mean, I may cover it in a, like a, like an update video or, or a vlog video or something like that. Uh, I didn't really mention the way that I did the bench dogs in the table. So if I do that, if I make a video on that, I'll probably include that with it. Uh, but I did that. Um, I'm editing the last video from when Nick was here. We'd made a little uh, uh, dartboard cabinet, which, by the way, Nick, me and my wife use that like almost every night playing darts in the in the garage. It's so awesome. I, oh, that's fun. I you would. I, I figured that would be just another outlet to... Um, I actually kind of figured you'd, you'd bring out a sandwich out there and almost have dinner and shoot <laughs> ones eating, but... Yeah, we, we, haven't, uh, we haven't ate in the shop yet. Uh, my wife may not think that's, you know, awesome. <laughs> but... Uh, so Pull out a red carpet or something. Yeah, pull out a red carpet. Oh, speaking of carpet, well, not really carpet at all, but I got one of those long um, six-foot, uh, uh, what's those pads that you stand on, whatever they're called, anti-fatigue mats. Yeah. Oh, those are awesome. Yeah, so I picked one up from uh, from Harbor Freight finally. I thought that that was going to be one of those things that, or I, I delayed getting one for so long because, oh, man, I don't want to sweep around that stupid thing. It's not a problem at all. I just sweep right over the darn thing, and it's awesome. I love it. Should have should have bought it sooner the only thing i don't like about those is um you know if you have like a rolling mechanic stool like april and i have well not, and now you got one but uh you know if you're using that in the standing area then the rolling stool doesn't work very well on that but i i yeah those anti-fatigue bats are nice i ended up just getting some insoles to my shoes because you know when you're over three bills like i am it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i actually invest in really good in inserts and shoes. And I, I used to have some of those fatigue mats. In fact, um, I, 
at the lo- local O'Reilly's, they were tossing them out, like three big ones. And so I ended up getting them for free. However, now that I have almost everything mobile in my shop, I'm with you, Jay. Uh, sweeping around them is no problem. But rolling around things is where I ran into my issue. So I went ahead and, and chunked them whenever I did my last big clean of my shop. But they, but they do work if you're standing up in one place. Did you say you chunked them? I chunked them. Is that not a... Does that mean throw them away? Yeah, you know, like I chunk them or oh, toss them. Like chuck them out. Like that's a chuck. I chuck. Guess. No, I never, I never say that. I say chunk. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> must southern be a Southern. Northern. Yeah, I was going to say it must be a Southern thing. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, I have to comment. You got a shop stool. So, yeah, when Nick was here, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a shop stool. I got, got one <laughs> off of Amazon and um, it came in and... It's about five inches too short on its the highest setting. So my plan was to, all right, I'll just build like a little box or something to elevate it in between the casters and the bottom platform of the stool. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Haven't put one effort into it. It's been sitting in the corner. Haven't sat on it since Nick was here. Oh, okay. So you're, well, why is it too short for it's, what task? I mean, I think I, I think I may have gotten the, the, a too shorter version to begin with. It's only like uh, eighteen to twenty-two inches. It's not that. It's not that tall of a of a stool. It's like a mechanic stool, okay. you know, real low kind of thing. I thought it was a little yeah. bit taller than that. Um, but it's my workbench. Like I've been doing a lot of like hand cut dovetails, just goofing off, getting away from computer work, and standing up to do them is a little much on the back after like forty-five minutes. Sitting down in that particular stool, I feel like it's my shoulders are way too high. So it, it yeah. I need the com- I need a comf- comfortable middle middle ground, and I think adding a little platform box above the casters might do that. Just haven't put forth haven't any effort to, to do it. So um, you might want to still keep it around though and use it for its lowest setting because I have found I have a a little mechanic stool, but it's not one that has a hydraulic lift. It has a square seat on it and like a small little three divider tray underneath it, and. Uh, the seat doesn't move, but I use that thing so often. I, in fact, I used it a lot today. Um, so that one, and then having a normal height one that I can set at my workbenches and having the variety has really come in handy. So if you find that you do enjoy sitting down while working, then uh, maybe maybe go ahead and get you a second one. Then that way you have two different heights. This brings up an interesting question when you said that it's not adjustable height-wise. I had a guy um, email me um, kind of thanking for videos and stuff, but then he said... Uh, um, he's mostly disabled, so he's mostly wheelchair bound. I mean, he can walk, but it's his back is really messed up. Um, but is there a way that you guys could think of? Because he had asked me when when it comes to using the table saw, and I actually want to lift my table saw about three inches because I have bad back issues. But is there? A, can you guys think of a way to where somebody that's in a wheelchair can safely operate a table saw? I couldn't. I didn't have much advice for him. Oh, the biggest thing is is material support on the front end and then being able to push stuff through, right? So pushing stuff through, I think you could safely do if you were at a comfortable height and you had long enough push sticks to safely and comfortably push the material through. Um, the only thing I could think of, it's one of the, that's a tough question because I'm not in that situation, so... Uh, I'm thinking that the two kind of things that you'd have to work around would be uh, reaching, you know, having a good reach to where it's over the blade. You can push the wood through and past. But then also the the height of your head is very similar to like the, the uh, you know like the top of the saw. And if there's any kickback, I mean, it's almost going right towards your face. 
What about changing up the orientation and maybe building a panel saw? And you might be able, you might have to do some sort of handle to extend it to, if you're like cutting it long ways, I mean, uh, you know, up and down, you might have to get a handle to, to complete the cut, but that way it's up against the wall and you, you see where I'm going instead of, instead of a table saw, a panel saw maybe. Yeah. I actually think that's an awesome idea because then you take out the, you know, you alleviate a lot doing that way. Or maybe even doing something like a like a con not a contractor saw like a job site saw. You know how they're made to go up and down. I mean, of course, whenever they're pushed down on on their wheel bases, it's because you're typically packing it up and putting it away. But I wonder if you could, I wonder if you could just kind of take that out or take it off of the wheelbase and mount it in a man like a, a self made box of some sort. You know? Did he mention what type of saw he has? Contractor saw or cabinet saw? Um, he said he had one previous and I, I think he actually got rid of that and he was looking at getting another one. And if, and if I had any recommendations on, um, cause I mean, we were talking about all sorts of things relating to back injuries in the shop and, uh, his table saw was probably his biggest hurdle to, to try and figure out how to use it properly. The table saw, like, all right, so there's a couple different approaches for me. What I would immediately think of is to have the actual table saw, um, uh, stable it has to be stable if he doesn't you know if someone's doesn't have great access around it or you know so <clears throat> either a cabinet saw would be with be nice with some type of infeed support system to help push things to help support it as or before it hits the blade and of course longer push sticks uh, to a certain degree um, kind of like the Matias style push sticks but uh, maybe six seven inches longer I used a, a pair of those that are like that um that would help push through but for a cabinet not a cabinet a, a like a contractor saw you know how ron polk hangs his table saw off the side of his workbench yeah so you could and, and also beach bum living just did that in his most recent video i saw that beach bum living on youtube um but if you have some type of stationary solid workbench work table something that's not going to move around to where you can mount the table to the side of it it would increase stability actually having it attached to something that's a larger you know yeah i mean not to try and change somebody's uh, particular genre of woodworking they want to be in but when he when he had asked me about that i'm like man i wish you were a lathe turner because that that almost seems like the ideal tool if you're in a wheelchair um to have it set at a certain height to where you can wheel underneath it and you know, still be uh, access to the long tools, the tool rest, and all that. But I digress. Either way. <laughs> yeah. So if any of you guys listening have any um, questions, or, or I'm not sorry, questions, but comments and input on that topic, please uh, leave us a comment or something. You um, want to go in? Well, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I've got a couple more things. So like the about the time you guys are listening to this video, the X card will have finally left Jay's shop. I did a giveaway on it. Uh, I think it was the last week of December, beginning of 2016, something like that. Did a giveaway for my X card machine and it's, it's going to be picked up tomorrow. Uh, well, it'll already be picked up by the time you guys are listening. And then, uh, next week I want to make something. I just want to make something with dovetails. I've been cutting a lot of hand cut dovetails, just goofing off and playing around, which is so odd because two years ago I told, you know, I was like, no, there's no way I'll have the patience to do that. Now I actually enjoy like turning off the technology just for a little bit, like getting away from the computer mainly. Uh, I don't ever, ever see myself ditching power tools. There's no way that's going to happen, but it's, it's fun. And it's, it's something 
different for me. And I just, I just, I'm itching to make something with it rather than just a couple practice joints like I have been for the past three months now. So what do you got? Like what, what, are, what are some of the ideas that you're tossing around? Maybe we can like take a poll. Jay's first dovetail <laughs> yeah. project. I want to make, idea. that is a decent, that's a pretty cool idea. I want to make a, um, some, like a simple shaker wall clock is on the radar. Um, maybe like a, uh, bench top jewelry box with a couple of drawers, kind of like the old mechanic style boxes, you know, um, maybe, uh, maybe another blanket chest, a, a full paneled dovetail blanket chest. I don't know. I just want to make something. I've got the itch, you know, do the clock. Um, cause you already have the mechanisms I know to, to do the clock yeah. and then you could, you know, for your first like official dovetail project, use some nice contrasting wood. That way it kind of highlights, you know, okay, these are dovetails. Put some walnut in there to to mask all the dark seams and gaps and all that. <laughs> and then paint it. Yeah, and then paint it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You guys want to move into the, the kind of the we had a few topics this week. We couldn't necessarily decide on one in particular. But uh, speaking of painting dovetails, this is a topic that I brought up to April and Jay, and I just labeled it you should. And uh, make no mistake, we're not we're not trying to say like um, you know we're not trying to be harsh about this in any any way, shape, or form. But when you're talking about anything subjective, and a buddy of yours or a, a, you know somebody comments or whatever, and it just starts with "Hey, you should," and it's like you know if you paint something blue, and they're like, "Oh, you should paint that red." Well, I wanted blue, you know. It's it's not like the <laughs> I mean, if somebody has something to say to where like, "Oh, hey, have you ever tried mounting the hinge like this or have you ever tried uh making this cut first, you know, constructive stuff to where, you know, it might be methodology changes, but when it's something as subjective as like the color of paint, I don't know, that kind of it kind of can wear on me. We should do like a hashtag you should. So hashtag you should. <laughs> Now you comment in people's videos, hashtag you should. You should. Yeah, I get that a lot, especially because I like to use uh, pine and plywood. They're like, oh, well, you should uh, use use hardwood. And I just want to say, well, I, I didn't want to use hardwood, but if you want to, feel free, of course. Or I like to paint things, and they say, well, you should have stained it, or yeah, I wanted to paint it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that quite often. I, I've gotten it a couple times, like, uh, on the larger projects that like I've invested a lot of time in, like my uh, chest of drawers or the, the last blanket chest I did, like all that work and you and you used pine, you should have used hardwoods. Eh, I like pine. Meh. Yeah, I don't have an I don't have an issue with pine. Well, on the shelves, you guys can see it because I'm on the video, but I, of course the listeners can't. But I built some floating shelves and I left one shelf out just for aesthetic reasons because I don't like things to be 100% symmetrical. And I got so many, you shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? Did you forget it? And I'm like, no, it's just a, it's just a personal choice. Like I think people almost forget that the things that we're building are like we're, we're real people who are building things that we need and want. And so, of course, we're building them to our personal taste and preferences. And I think, I think people just almost forget about that and they just think that maybe we're doing videos tailored to maybe like a large audience. But I, I don't do that. I, I just build things the way that I want, how I want, and I put it out there. And if you, you know what I mean? I like really more than anything, I want people to be able to like just maybe look at the method or my thought process or the general idea and take it from there. I'm not, I'm not ever telling people this is the exact way that you should do it, you know? 
Yeah. I and, and I can attest that um whether you use maple or oak or walnut or pine or, or mahogany, uh Jay's, you know, pine like dresser, man, that thing turned out really nice. It really yeah. did. That whole room did. Yeah. And I mean being selective and going around the grain and um, Jay's got the, uh, the box, <laughs> two fists, you know, shaking back and forth. I can't see that. But no, I thought it was really nice. And yeah, of course, you could use oak, you could use maple, you could use the tears of angels. I mean, whatever you have laying around. <laughs> I've got a bunch of those laying around. Cardboard box, though. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually short. Um, the same thing about tools. People say, oh, you should use this tool over that tool. Uh, again, it's just a thousand and one ways to do something. Although I will say that I've picked up so many tips and I feel like I've excelled with my knowledge because of the comments that people have left me saying, hey, uh, good job, but just to, for future reference. And I think one of the big key factors is the way people leave their comments. Um, people who are conscious enough to to remember that they're talking to somebody and they remember to to choose their language, you know, mm-hmm. to where they're still showing respect and and encouragement, but but they're also passing along the information that they know. Yeah, I actually had a, a guy email me today, and I spelled the the word or the phrase per se. I spelled it wrong, and he goes, "Hey, I'm not trying to be a dink." <laughs> but, he goes, "I had you know 12 years of like Catholic school, you know, fluent in Latin or whatever it was." And I'm like, no, you're not being a dink. I said, I just changed it now. I, I don't want to look like a fool. And, and of course, I don't, I don't have, often have to spell that word. So, Yeah, you brought up a good point, though. Like, There's so much opportunity to learn from the interaction in the comment section. That there's Oftentimes, I'll, I'll do something and I may overlook, overlook a little aspect here or there. And then the comments, it just makes you think like, oh, wow, that, that's, that's so right. I should have done it that way. Exactly. Or I could have yeah. done it better this way or, or, or what. So the comment section is it is vastly, vastly awesome. Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think, I think a lot of times uh, people don't intend to be rude or intend to be mean. It's like they almost don't think about it. I had one guy start off a comment saying, uh, this was uh, so hard to watch, extremely hard to watch or something like that. And then... You know, it's just a bad way to start a comment because immediately I'm having to, like, try to guess his tone and his, you know, his intention at his comment. And so the first sentence just led me to believe that he was just kind of being rude. And so I just responded back and I was just like, well, um, I'm always open to hear uh, feedback, but I don't appreciate negativity. You know, it's something like that. Well, he responded back saying, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, w- I actually wasn't trying to be negative. I had my wife read my comment and she said it's definitely negative. So I apologize. <laughs> and so then we went on to have a normal conversation. And so I think I think a lot of people don't mean to, you know, they just they just forget. You just need to start the conversation like my mom does with all due respect. And then she can just, you know, she, I'm like, you can't just say that in the beginning and then just. <laughs> Just unleash on somebody. Oh, he said with all due respect. <laughs> and then she gets away with murder. I love that. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, moving on, or unless, Jay, did you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, real quick, April, behind you is some shelves. Did you know you missed one of those? You could really like do all of the shelves the, you know, the right way there. You should have. <laughs> Hashtag you should. <laughs> you should not have. 
But speaking of tools, and this is, I, I briefly talked to you guys about this, but I had uh, Rich McNatt had called me or messaged me the other day asking about the Harbor Freight one-inch belt sander because he knows that I've had mine for eh, about a year and a half. And uh, have you guys ever had a tool, this particular belt sander? It's a good value. It's built well and everything. Um, but it generates, there's a grounding issue. It generates so much static electricity. So about every minute you get the shock of your lifetime. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, I, you know, I just put a wire from the, the table down to the, the body of the machine and it took care of it. But um, have you guys ever had that to where a tool is like near perfect, but there's just one like, man, I wish they would fix that. I honestly just, I can't think of one. I can't think of one either. So it's one of those things, like for me, if, if something is bothering me that bad, I'm not going to use it or I'm going like, to give it away. Like the Bosch router I just had, I just gave it away. It had a problem and gave it away. Cut my losses, move on. This was a quick fix. I mean, it, in the, other than that, the machine is essentially flawless. I literally just screwed a freaking piece of wire to the, from the table to the machine and problem solved. I just, why couldn't they do that at the factory? Maybe, it, I don't know, maybe it's just a gripe of mine. Well... well I was just going to say, my drill press doesn't have a laser on it, and I don't know why a drill press would be sent out without a laser on it. I don't, is that? A laser? Uh, I've never, I'm, I'm, I think lasers are so overrated on tools. No. I need it on my drill press. Like, I just did a video, and I used my forehead to, like, line up my bit, and everybody was like, <laughs> get a laser, get a laser. And I'm like, I mean, that's the obvious solution, but if, if, if this is a common thing, why are they not automatically stock on drill presses? Well, lasers are a relatively new innovation to the power tool scene. Uh, I don't, I, I, I've never turned on, I, my drill press has a laser, and I don't think I've ever turned it on other than the, the first day I unpackaged it, and I was like, oh, cool, it's got a laser. And I don't think, because <laughs> I tend to, you know, um, using like an ice pick or a scratch all to center the hole, um, and it does a pretty good job of lining itself up that way, but... I guess mainly for like Forstner bits is when I use it. Um, if it's just like a hole that I'm drilling with a with a regular bit, I I can just eyeball it pretty accurately. But whenever I'm going to either a paddle bit or a Forstner bit, that's whenever I want the laser. Try that. Try a scratch all or like a punch, and you know that way you can precisely see it. You just mm -hmm. throw a little bit of a divot, and then with the bit running, that that little point in the center of the Forstner bit, it almost wants to find that hole move the wood, and then you can securely hold the wood and drill the hole. Yeah, I second that. Um, and then next on the list, I had uh, that I, I, I had received a Festool Domino XL. Uh-oh, I'm outnumbered. <laughs> Hashtag high roller. <laughs> Hashtag you should. Um, <laughs> but no, I, you know, I, I did a tool swap, so in case people see that in the videos and they're like, oh, Immediately he goes to Jay's and buys a. And I'm like, no, it actually it arrived at my house while I was headed to Jay's. But um, oddly enough, though, I'm liking the smaller one better than the big one. But hey, you know what? And beggars can't be choosers. It was a cool swap to be able to do, and uh, I, I think I'm going to be using it a lot. Have you already used it? Yeah, I've I've tested it out. Nothing with a project yet, but I've tested it out. I thought you'd like the smaller one bigger, but uh, smaller one better. Um, but now that you do have the larger one, do you have any ideas for like, I'm not gonna say timber framing, but larger, beefier, maybe like some outdoor projects? Do you have any plans for that? Oh, for sure. Um, my wife was, she's like, okay, so what does this tool do? And I was showing her and I just did it on a sample of two by four. 
and she immediately was like, oh, I could have that, that trellis I wanted in back. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm like, yeah, it would work great for that. And uh, we have hollow core doors in, in most of our house. And she's like, oh, would that be a quicker way? Because she wanted me to make doors for the house. Well, if you ever go through your house and count how many doors, closet <laughs> doors. Oh, yeah. I think there's 19 doors in our house. And I might, you know, traditional mortise and tenon, uh, I wasn't interested in tackling that just because it's batch work and I don't like repeating tons of stuff. But I might tackle that at some point. So I'm actually making doors next week for a new closet doors. But I'm not going to, I guess it's going to be solid. It's not going to be hollow. Oh, okay. But I'm really excited about that project. Do you have like a door, um, you know, like the mortising kit for the lock assembly and all that? No. They they make need a to. kit, but I mean, you can you can obviously you can buy the just you know the regular size hole saw for it, but they make it in a nice little kit. A lot of times where it clamps on the edge. Yeah. So you can do you know all the holes in one kind of step. I I would look into that if I were you. It just make it makes the whole lock set installation that much easier. Definitely interested. I'll I'll look at it. So your doors you're making are they going to be like a uh, like a six panel door or just like a flat luon or? They are going to be. I'm not really sure. I don't know my door technology yet, but I was watching a video. This man did an excellent job on he, – he didn't build the door on the video, but he did uh, break it down and, and explain what he did. And he used OSB as the interior since it's pretty stable, and then he used poplar as the, like the, the front trim, and then he used three-quarter birch um, uh, plywood as the inside panels. So what I'll probably do is be two uh, side panels – I mean, two rails and then two panels in the center with some maybe like three styles. John Heist did a video on making uh, a door for his garage back when he had his last house. It's an older video from John Heist, but might be worth looking at. Yeah, I'll go look at it. I learn a lot from John. Um, I mean, like I said, I've never done anything with doors, so I don't know the technology or anything. But I just I have the the flat uh, solid core doors all throughout my house so i'm just interested in trying to learn but uh, another side note that you could do if you're not interested in making them neck or at least not all of them is i don't know if wisconsin has them but in texas we have habitat for humanity restores and it's almost like a thrift store for um uh, home items any anytime that habitat for humanity goes and tears down a house they save anything that's salvageable or, i'm sorry salvageable and that includes light sockets, lamps, uh, any sort of uh, hardware fixtures, sometimes like bathtubs, uh, hardware floors, but it includes doors. And so you can go and purchase a door for sometimes 5 to $7, and they just have rows and rows of doors. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm familiar because um, my uh, friend is a uh, uh, construction lead for Habitat for Humanity locally. Oh, okay. So I've been to the ReStore here, but it, this was... Where we were going for a, a, a very exacting style, kind of kind of a three-panel um, style door, uh, but it's been taking me years to convince my wife because she likes the standard, like the six-panel, and yeah. I think that that's that's not our overall style. So, but like I said, nineteen doors. That's a lot. Yeah, that's and a lot. Give her give her half, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want I want the door to match. Well, I was gonna say give her half, and then as soon as she sees them, maybe she'll agree to let you buy your tool. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Say, well, if I'm gonna batch these out, I'm gonna have to use this tool. <laughs> <laughs> I ran through the same thing. Like I I I debated uh, making doors for the house, but it was the same thing. Like, nope, too many doors. When I made the 
which was last year, over a year ago, I made a simple window cornice to go over uh, one of my windows. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I, I liked it. And then I was like, me and my wife were like, yeah, let's, we're going to put them in every, every one of the windows. And then I you know, went from room to room and 6, 8, <laughs> 12, 13. Nope, not going to happen. Not, not going to do it. Nope, it's just, uh, just that one. And that's one of the rooms that we're, the, one that's, the, the room that it's in now is the room that we're trying to turn into like a, kind of like a library. And because um, my wife has more books than I have tools. Which is okay. That's her thing, um, but uh, it, it's in that room. And we we walked through there the other day. And she's like, "So, so you're gonna make all these for the rest of the house still?" And I'm, no, nope, not gonna happen. Uh-uh. <laughs> you're not even gonna lie about it. You're like, no, no, it's, it's ain't gonna happen. People are the same way because I think I've mentioned that before. To where uh, I, I mean, I had people tell me, "Hey, you should work as in a cabinet shop. You would love that." And I'm like, "No, I would hate that because." Anytime I build one or two of something, I'm done. I don't want to yeah. build anymore. I want to move on to something else. I am 100% with you. That's why, like, if I am doing something kind of batchy, I have to do it all at the same time or I will never circle back to it. But, yeah, definitely. By the time I'm on, uh, especially number three, I'm like, I'm done. Like, a lot of people were contacting me wanting to buy, like, the sliding barn doors. And I'm just not interested. Like, I lose complete motivation. And if, if I'm not motivated to work on it, then – why put myself through it? So that's why I never take commission jobs as well, because I'm just not motivated to build things for other people. It just completely kills it for me. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, do we want to go right into questions, or I had one more topic to talk about. We're at, what, about 37 minutes? Uh, go ahead and throw your topic in real quick. All right. Um, and this doesn't necessarily apply to everyone out in their wood shop, but Jay and I were talking about this, and uh, I had gotten some of those, I think they call them the third-hand uh, poles from FastCap, and man, uh, workshop space is a premium, as everybody knows. But then, as soon as you start making videos like this, I had two light box tripods. I had my camera tripod, sometimes a microphone tripod, and I'm like, how could I, you know, improve this? How could I make this better? And so I'm going to be m- making a fixture to essentially put my lights on for the time being, because I want to do my overhead track system at some point. But at least you know this kind of goes floor to ceiling. And it, I figured it would work great if somebody doesn't have tons of lighting in their shop and they m- need more or less task lighting and they just got one larger light fixture and that way they could move it from, say, the drill press to the lathe to the scroll saw to wherever. And, um, and I think, Jay, you had something you were going to work on for, for that as well. Yeah, this was like you explained that to me when, when uh, you came here and kind of like a cross promotional thing, uh, uh, two different ideas that kind of accomplish the same task. I'm wanting to make uh, for, well, first off my tripod is crap. It's a crappy junky tripod that wants to fall over every 10 minutes. So making, I'd much rather make something to serve that purpose rather than just buy another junky tripod or buy an expensive one. I don't want to really buy an expensive one when I think that I've, I've got this idea to make kind of like a very low center of gravity stand system so five gallon bucket maybe one or two bags of quick cement in the bucket casters on the bottom of it so it rolls around a little bit all the weight is down there and then in the, in the middle of the bucket is like a six foot um, metal fence pole something like that on the pole is a one articulating arm 
that has the camera mounted to it. So you have this very low center of gravity basically at the bucket. And then you've got this articulating arm that could come out, say, above my assembly table shooting at the miter saw. I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. Above my assembly table shooting at the table saw, you know, something like that to where that shot would previously only be accomplished by putting the tripod on the assembly table. And then you have the vibration and the shot moving around. And then of course the wood has to pass underneath it. So, so that would, it would get that uh, added bonus of being able to shoot a shot like that. But also the whole unit, like once it's, you know, the articulating arm is folded up to the pole it, it takes up the space of a five-gallon bucket on the floor, much, much less than a tripod. Tripod's yeah. it's got the legs that go all wacky and uh, it's just so annoying moving a tripod around the shop. But I'm kind of like throwing up the uh, the question of is it going to be more annoying wheeling a heavy bucket around or is the tripod more annoying? I would say your tripod because, you know, the one leg doesn't even clamp and it wants to like <laughs> – like, how do you get these cool movement shots? Um, well, the tripod was falling over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, task lighting, too, because I, I also have a couple tripods with those halogen work lamps on them. I would use a lot of times in theater because, um, you know, unless you're running the light light grid in the ceiling, you know, you might need some lighting. But uh, Yeah, so yeah. your so your concept of it would be this, this pole ceiling to floor, very little footprint that you could mount lights to it whatever and then mine would be like completely floor but i would use it for a camera but you could still use it for lights or whatever you know yeah i'm gonna hop into youtube questions okay so jake curry asks hey guys i love the show well thank you i currently work out of a small garage and i'm pretty cramped for space i'm going to be in the market for a new table saw and was wondering if i should save space and go with a higher end contractor saw or lose some of my space and go with a middle of the road cabinet saw thanks for the input guys um right off the bat i am i am so sold on the the stability and the lack of vibration, I'm so sold on a cabinet saw. Even if it's a, a, a lower-end cabinet saw, I'm, that's where my vote is. I, w- I would say, uh, how much space are you going to save? I think he's talking more fence system than anything, because a contractor saw often has a pressed metal splayed leg base. And uh, so the actual footprint can be more square footage than sometimes a cabinet saw. So maybe he's meaning... Um, on a contractor saw, you don't necessarily have an extension fence that's kicked way out. And in that case, I would say, again, I agree with Jay and go with a cabinet saw, but maybe just go with a like a 36 or a 32-inch fence as opposed to, say, like a 50-inch or something like that. My opinion, um, if you're going to end up with a cabinet saw, like if that's your ultimate goal, then I would definitely just go with the cabinet saw. However, the question that I've been getting here recently is if you, I can't afford a cabinet saw. So if I can only get a contractor saw, could you make do with that if that's all you had? And my, my, my kind of response is, well, I mean, it's just, a, you got to be resourceful if you're into making and building. So, I mean, you could get by with just a circular saw and no table saw whatsoever. And so, um, I mean, of course it would be more time consuming and difficult, but, um, it, um, I think a contractor saw, if you, if you can only, uh, afford the space for it, I think that you're going to be able to do almost everything that you can do with a, with a 
cabinet saw other than it just being like what Jay said, more stable. But like, I don't, I don't even rip down full sheets of plywood on mine because I don't have a good in feed or out feed situation. So I still use my track saw for that. So, I mean, you could just keep around your circular saw, break down the sheet of plywood and use the contractor saw, um, for, for the rest of it. And you're still going to get really accurate depending on how much money you put into it. That's a good point, April. I mean, when when you're building and making stuff, you have to be resourceful. And if you know, if a contractor saw is something, but you know, you don't have a ton of space for a big you know fence, you you can think something that folds down. Maybe something that you know a piano hinge to the um, to the right of the blade that you know with a kick out leg or something or, or something similar to. April's done a couple uh, workbenches, work spots where you know they hinge off the wall. Well, instead of hinging off the wall, it might hinge off of one of the one of the leaves of the um, the table saw top. And when you're needing to cut larger pieces, you have it there. But when you're doing other stuff in a small shop and you don't need that out, well, then stow it away. Another option would be to make sure that you just put whatever you have on a mobile base. Because like what you were saying, at the end of the day, depending on what f- fence system you get, you might end up with the same footprint. So if you could put if you can put it on a mobile base, then maybe, I don't know how much space we're working with, but maybe you could move it out of the way. Because even in my shop, I think that I have a good amount of space, but I still am constantly moving my table saw out of the way on that mobile base since I have it available. And I, and I utilize the space that it frees me up. Yeah, I don't think I put much effort in my initial response there. Uh, you bring up a good point, Nick, with <clears throat> depending on the, the fence system, I mean, a, a contractor saw is almost the same or could be even more space than a smaller cabinet saw. Uh, and just while I'm thinking of it, I've got 52-inch rip capacity on my table saw, and I wish I would have got the smaller rails. Like it, I, I never use that extra space. Like like April said, if it's a larger panel, I'm not going to wrestle a larger panel over the table saw. I'll make the first cut with a circular saw and then bring the much more manageable size piece to the table saw. But um, <clears throat> as far as space, though, yeah, I didn't give much thought into that because uh, contractor saws these days are, are pretty big to begin with, you know? And uh, one... It doesn't. There's no mention of budget in here, but um, if if the like April said, if the the cabinet saw is the the end goal, then you know definitely okay. just save up and go for that. Yeah. <clears throat> also, but didn't like, um, been... I'm sorry, didn't uh, uh, Steve Carmichael doesn't he have like a fold out wing on one of his table saw on his table saw? Didn't he like put an actual hinge on the steel wing? I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, I think he does. I, I couldn't remember if it was on the wing or the outfeed, but but regardless, you know. Yeah. Um, so two things I wanted to bring up was Steve Ramsey works with a is it a job site saw or a contractor saw? That's a uh, essentially it's a hybrid, but it's hybrid. It, well, it's not a full, you know, it's not an enclosed cabinet. I would I would consider it a job site saw. Okay. So I mean, and he's been on YouTube for eight years, woodworking for who knows how long, and that that suits him just fine. And then Drew, I believe Drew Short at Rock and H has a uh contractor saw inside of the cabinet that he built. So you know, I really think that you can just kind of get away with whatever it is that you that you're able to afford, both on the money side and the space side. Then I kind of misspoke because I, I was trying to think of something else. But a like a job site saw, at least how I see it, is typically a knockdown wheeled base, almost like a plastic body, something like yeah. A contractor, uh, you know, not an enclosed cabinet, steel legs and, has the rigid base. Yeah, and then a hybrid. You know, you still have table mounted trunnions, but you have a full enclosed cabinet, 
and then a, or a, a cabinet saw, fully enclosed base, but trunnions mounted to the cabinet itself. Biggest advice I could give anybody sharp shopping for a, a table saw, regardless of budget, get a cast iron top. You can get some oldies with a cast iron top, relatively inexpensive, secondhand. Cast iron top will add a lot of mass for a smaller table saw to begin with and uh, yeah. make it more stable. Those aluminum top ones that just rattle across your floor, oh, those yeah. are so, I find those so dangerous. They are very dangerous. I worked with that for the year before I upgraded. Yeah, and and, and you know, and if you're afraid of it or if it's dangerous, a lot of times people shy away from wanting to be out in their shop then, and it's supposed to be supposed to be fun. April, you want to take the next question? Okay, so the next question comes from Todd. He says that he loves and watches all of our videos, and he's getting into YouTube himself. He wants to know, um, he started following Nick and that he's in Wisconsin. So are Jay and I interested in traveling to Nick's shop to do a collaboration and do a meet and greet in Wisconsin? You guys are more than welcome to to stop by anytime. I got extra beds and we can go out <laughs> and get a brat and some cheese curds. You know, after hearing the stories of you and Jay, I don't know if I could if I could hang with you boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to make it up there. It's just a matter of when. Maybe when the when the uh, the next time the Lions lose in in Green Bay. I mean, they you know they might win, but you know the next time the Lions lose in Green Bay, I might make a trip up there. Those tickets should be less desirable to get, you know, as far as Packers tickets go. Oh, I mean, I'm a born and raised in Green Bay, so we got we got season tickets available, so that's not a problem. My time frame would be anytime it's not below 30. I'm, a, I'm from Texas, so I can't handle the Wisconsin cold. I think July 14th this year is going to be above 30. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you guys are, you know, leave in the comments whether you guys want to see that. That would, I think that would be awesome because there's, uh, there's, a, there's a woodcraft nearby. There's a Rockler in Milwaukee. Uh, there's a woodworking store right in Green Bay. There's plenty of woodworking clubs around. I'm sure we could. Um, and in fact, uh, another place in Milwaukee had asked me to uh, see if I'd you know ever be interested in stopping by their woodworking club. And that's a, that's a kind of a short drive from Green Bay, about two hours. So I think too bad. And then we can go to uh, see Matt Cremona, and maybe we could use that massive saw he has. There, what is that big uh, saw? His beam, beam saw. saw. Beam saw. Maybe he would let us play with that. He's still, I think, four hours from me though. Keep that in mind. No, I'm thinking of that beam saw. It'll be worth it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's plenty of sushi places where he lives, so I'm all for it. Hey, I'm all for it. All right, so we have a couple community news items to talk about. Uh, Tim Babb from the Woodworking Maniac is doing a giveaway, uh, the Bora Edge Guides, and that's what that's what the giveaway is for, the Bora Edge Guides? Yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, check him out for more info at thewoodworkingmaniac.com. I think that's his website. If not, he's got a YouTube channel. I'll post links uh, on the website article for this podcast as well. Also, Stress-Free Woodworks, uh, James Green, is still doing the pen turning challenge for uh, another week or two. Uh, I'll post a link to that as well. And our friend Nick Ferry has a sled giveaway where you can uh, win the all of the materials to build the sled plus... Um, uh, the the cost of the wood, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's all the aluminum, uh, all the aluminum components, uh, the plans for it, and then also a gift card so that you can purchase the wood wherever <laughs> you, you know, typically get your plywood. So so that way you get pretty much, you know, it it is everything you need to build the sled. So yeah, that's going on for uh, until the end of February. So it's going on until the end of February. So yeah, you got another two weeks or so, something like that. Yeah. 
All right, folks, so that is all we've got for you this week. Uh, we just want to remind you that there's a couple ways that you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com, and at the top you'll find three clickable buttons to subscribe on Android via RSS or on iTunes. Uh, and if you are on iTunes, uh, leave us a little review. That helps. Uh, oh, we are also on, uh, was it Stitcher? Is that what the app is, Stitcher for Android? I believe so. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're on there as well. Uh, and we've also got a little contribution button on the sidebar. And if you'd like to uh, contribute in any way you can, that would be much appreciated. Uh, that's all we've got this week. Thanks for listening, and you guys take care. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. See you guys later. My throat is messing up, Jay, if you'll take it. <clears throat> yeah, hold on. I just swallowed water down the wrong pipe like 10 minutes ago. It's killing me. <laughs> it went down the wrong pipe, Mario.